Hey everyone, uh, Jason Klein here. I'm the senior minister here at Refocus Christian Church, uh, located in Fallonsby, West Virginia. I just want to say uh, thank you so much for listening to our content. Uh, feel free to share or like or leave any comments you have. Uh, we're always looking to engage with people. Uh, what are some questions you have? What are some things that you might be learning? Uh, and at the same time, if you want to know more about us, check us out at refocuschurch.com, uh, which also has a link to our Facebook there. Uh, and so it just has uh, upcoming events, things that are going on, uh, sermon series that we're in. Uh, so once again, thanks for being a part of this. Thank you for listening in. And as always, please feel free to share and comment or like, because uh, we want to make sure that we're trying to reach as many people possible uh, with the good news of Jesus Christ. All right. Have a great day. Everyone, before we uh, get started, I uh, I'm gonna like if there's like a, a vote for like the greatest communion meditation ever, uh, I think that one's got to be like near uh, the top of my list. Uh, so I mean, I just thank you for taking something um, culturally we would understand it and pointing it back right to to the right reason. Uh, and on top of that, uh, I, we now officially have it on record, uh, the Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Uh, if anyone, <laughs> me and Jesse were having that debate the other day. Um, now, I'm really excited to uh, finish up this series. Uh, like Rick said, we've uh, been looking at a couple different Christmas movies, uh, and there's a lot of them. Uh, we could, honestly, you could do this series again next year uh, and pull different movies. Uh, there's tons of uh, different holiday movies out there. My mom uh, was telling me the other day, my mom watches Hallmark, uh, and, and she's been watching Hallmark Christmas movies since July. Uh, and I was like, okay, uh, if that's something you want to do. Um, so it, it's really exciting to kind of finish it up, and we're going to be looking at a Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, and really that, that, that scene in the entirety of uh, the 25 minutes uh, cartoon is incredibly uh, pivotal. I think it originally aired, uh, if I remember correctly, 1965, maybe 1969, uh, somewhere in there. But in the 60s, that cartoon originally aired on TV. Uh, and you have to understand that culturally, that's huge for something like that to have been on TV. Um, but before we get too far into this. Uh, as always, and we've been doing the last couple of Sundays, uh, we're going to take about a minute, and I'm just going to encourage you to kind of focus yourself, uh, take a minute to pray, ask God to show you what he needs to show you, and just kind of center yourself on this moment, uh, on this morning. And then we'll pray, and we'll get started.
God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the fact that you love us the way that you do. As always, as we come into this morning, I pray that our hearts and our minds are focused and in tune uh, with what you're teaching us, what the Spirit is teaching us. God, I, I don't think we emphasize that enough, that the Spirit in us is constantly molding us to more like you. As always, I pray that you protect the words that come out of my mouth, those who are listening here, those who are on, uh, online with their families this Christmas morning. And I pray that the words and every thought is of you and uh, always, always less of me and more of you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Last week, uh, we talked about a Christmas carol. We looked at uh, Ebenezer Scrooge and uh, kind of his big issue was the fact that he was so... Just money hungry. That's all he wanted. He was just trying to make as much money as he could. And uh, if you've ever seen it, uh, Bah Humbug was his favorite line. And he was always, he hated the holiday. He hated people, (laughs) to be honest. I don't think I've ever met someone so miserable in my life. And he kind of goes through this journey of of self-realization. If you've ever seen it, the three spirits come and they show him past, present, future. But really it's his future that establishes kind of that change in him because he realizes that that if if something doesn't change, that his end is going to be way worse than he expects it to be. All of that money at the end of his life is going to mean nothing. Because ultimately he will die and the people who are left that remember him, are not going to be very fond of who he was. And so we go through the the journey with him, and then he comes out the other side, and he comes into a new person, a new life. And uh, the way he views Christmas, and he he all of a sudden changes who he is, and he's more giving, and he's loving. and, and, And I love it because in my life, what I have seen is I have seen people who are very much like Ebenezer Scrooge, the old Ebenezer Scrooge, who meet Jesus, and then they become like that new Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Their, their whole perspective shifts. Everything about their life is different, and it's a whole different direction. Uh, and, and we talked about that because we talked about the importance of giving of our time and, and giving of our finances. Uh, my wife and I and several uh, students from the Christian Center, sorry, my mom and I, uh, we're privileged on Wednesday this last week. We went down to Mingo, Ohio uh, to volunteer at the Base 6 Project. Uh, you remember Bobby and Stacy? Stacy Westfall were here a couple years ago, a couple months ago. I really feel like I've been here for a long time, and I realize that I've only been here like a year. Uh, listen, I used to live here, so to come back, it feels weird because I feel like I never left, even though I was gone for like almost 10 years. So Bobby and Stacey were here a couple months ago, and we were able to hand out, and we helped them hand out uh, 391 gifts to 174 different families for Christmas. It was amazing. Uh, just to, to, get, to get talk to these people, to get to know them, to get to see what they're doing. 
I shared information about the Basics Project on our website. I encourage you to find out what they're doing. There's so much more than Christmas. They did Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, they do something called the Brown Bag Diner three days a week. They provide after meal or after school meals for people that don't have it. And so we decided as a church that we we're going to support them with our Christmas offering. Uh, so I bring that up because I want to encourage you this Sunday and next Sunday, I believe, will be the last Sunday that we do it. Uh, if you want to give to them specifically, uh, we have special envelopes. Uh, what I can tell you is that Bobby works full-time, so he volunteers his time. Uh, so they have no staff other than those who volunteer, so all of the money we raise goes directly towards the ministry that they do. We're not paying for his salary, any of that. Uh, it all goes right back into the community that they're a part of. And I would encourage you to give to them financially, but I would also encourage you to find out more about who they are and what they're doing and to get involved. Uh, hopefully in the next couple months, we have some opportunities to partner with them, uh, and we're looking forward to that. So that is where our Christmas offering is going. Next Sunday will be the last Sunday we take that up. So with that being said, this is our last part of the series. We're going to look at good old Charlie Brown. My wife and I, we, we watched this this morning with our kids. Uh, they woke up at 8 o'clock, which is typical. I'm just glad it wasn't six. Um, that gives us like an hour. We get up at seven and like have coffee. You know, you can have coffee and then the kids get up and you're like, this is great because I love my kids, but I like them better uh, when I have coffee <laughs> in me. Uh, listen, I'm just being honest. And so we watched it this morning. It was interesting because I, I was watching through it. And, and, and I think when I was younger, I was like the cartoon. But man, Charlie Brown is depressed. <laughs> like, like, he suffers from seasonal depression. I can almost guarantee it. Uh, the whole, from the beginning to the end, he's so just kind of torn. And nothing's really working out. And he hates everything. And he's, he's really wondering about Christmas and what's the purpose. Uh, there's one point in the, 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 the cartoon uh, where he goes and he talks to Lucy, you know, the five cents for advice. And they're kind of having this back and forth conversation. And as she walks out of the uh, uh, her booth, she says to him, yeah, she's like, I don't, Christmas makes me sad too. And he's like, well, why? And she's like, well, I don't get what I want. She's like, I didn't get any, any of the gifts that I was expecting. And he's like, oh. And so he starts naming off some gifts, and she's like, no, no, no. I wanted a real estate. And I'm like, like, this little girl who obviously has no idea what real estate is, right? It's such an awkward conversation, but but it goes to show that the mindset of a lot of these characters at that moment is very much on what they get, like the, the physically what they get for the season. And I think if we are not careful, we can make Christmas very much about, hey, that's my computer. We can make Christmas very much about the items that we receive, the gift giving and the getting of gifts it can become very difficult. And if you look at, at all the movies we've gone through, a lot of them deal with that particular issue. That what is the real purpose? What is the, the real focus of what we're doing? Luke. Luke was a doctor. Old Testament, he, uh, his, his account, his gospel account is, is one of the, the most thorough ones that, that you and I have uh, to date. Uh, he wrote it for uh, Theophilus. 
uh, we believe Theophilus was a, a Roman superior. Theophilus was a man who was, was seeking to understand the story of Jesus. And so Luke's account is very descriptive, very descriptive. Lots of details. Really paints a, a good picture of who Jesus is. And you have to understand uh, that Luke is writing in his gospel to primarily a Gentile Roman audience. And so he does his best in Luke chapter 2 to capture for Theophilus the the night of the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on him, his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So we have to understand, and, and I think we, we've heard uh, the Christmas story, we've heard the, the birth of Jesus. We, if you've ever read the Bible in any capacity, you've read uh, the account. We understand that Jesus was born in a manger. We understand that shepherds were the first ones actually to, to come. We, we understand that uh, two years later, scholars think about two years later, the wise men showed up. By the way, if you ever wonder why uh, scholars believe that, it actually goes back uh, to Herod and Herod's decision. So if you've ever read the account of the wise men, the wise men are seeking Jesus. Herod catches wind of this, asks them about this Jesus. He, by the way, he's heard the prophecies. Uh, he, he's really not interested in seeing the baby Jesus, he's actually concerned because if the prophecies are true, this baby that was just born in Herod's mind is going to cost him his kingdom. So Herod finds this out and the wise men come and then Herod 
declares that all the boys two years and under in the area are to be massacred. So, so this is where we get uh, the thought uh, that Jesus was probably closer to a toddler when the wise men came to him. Uh, Herod was, was so intimidated uh, by this baby that he thought that the best solution was to, to quite literally murder all the children in the area. Now I know, right, that why you want to talk about that? It's Christmas. I, listen, I understand that. I'm not trying to take away uh, from the joy of the birth, but, but you need to understand that, that Jesus was born into chaos. I know a lot of times we like to think that that was just like kind of peaceful. Listen, everyone loves silent nights. It wasn't a silent night, I guarantee you. <laughs> it wasn't a silent night. But, but we, we like to think it was kind of like this peaceful and so calm. But you have to understand that, that he is born into chaos, a world at war. The, the Romans are, are overpowering everyone. Uh, the Israel itself, the Jews are suffering in slavery. Jesus is, is the long-awaited Savior. I, I think you and I don't really comprehend that because we are so far removed. But from the time of the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New is 400 years where there's not a word from God anywhere. We have no writings, we have no prophecies, nothing. And, and so the Jewish people have been waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting, and they've heard the testimonies and they've heard the prophecies, but they're waiting for the birth of the Savior. And then he shows up in the most unexpected of places. This, this king, this, this one who would save them found himself to be in the lowest of lows. He was probably born into poverty. Carpenters weren't known for being rich. He was born in a, a manger, not even an inn. A lot of people uh, think that it was actually more like a cave. It wasn't a quiet night. It, it wasn't a clean night. It, it wasn't a nice hospital room. The, the, the Savior of the world, the one that they had all been waiting for, came in the most unexpected way. Thomas Constable says this, Luke's brief account of Jesus' birth emphasizes three things. He described the political situation to explain why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This says Jesus' birth in the context of world history and anticipated his cosmic significance. Second, Luke connected Bethlehem with David to show that Jesus qualified as the Messiah. And finally, he presented Jesus' humble beginnings and so introduced the themes of Jesus' identification with the poor and his rejection. David Mathis says here, from the very beginning, as God moves to give a Savior to the people, he does, it, uh, he does it not on the world's terms according to popular expectation, but in his own surprising, mysterious, and marvelous way. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame 
the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. But not only does his extravagant announcement come to lowly shepherds, but the Christ himself comes as a child, even as a weak and fragile infant, in its manifestly humble birth. Jesus showed up in the most unexpected way possible to people who were so, so intensely waiting for him. Listen, it's it's easy. It is easy to look at this day and to look at the birth of Jesus and and to make it something that it's not. It's easy to look at Christmas and to get confused with the lights and the people and <laughs> the gifts and the trees and, and all of that. It, it, we live in a culture that, that really builds up Christmas as this, uh, it's all about commercialism, right? What can we do or what can we gain out of this? And, and, and really, to be honest, that the only thing, the only thing that, that really matters is the fact that Jesus was born. That's what the world is missing. That's what, that's what they need now more than ever. That, that is what you and I have. Is We have this incredible gift. Chris Kandaya says this. Of country, uh, sorry, uh, speaking of Isaiah 9, which we'll read in a second, reminds us in the power and authority of Jesus, uh, we must not forget that Jesus was also a refugee living under an oppressive foreign rule and born to parents that had to flee to save his life. Of countrywide conflict, domestic discord, and personal poverty, from his, uh, from his very from the moment Jesus was born in the world, he was identified with the persecuted, the, illegitim- the illeg- illegitimate, uh, the homeless, and the marginalized. The forgotten side of the Christmas story helps us to see something of what it means to find God in the wrong place at the wrong time. Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, this is a prophecy speaking towards the coming of Jesus it says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning with fuel for the fire. For us, for to us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 
I realize this is not a typical way we look at the Christmas story. In no way am I taking away from the glorious birth and, and the significance of that night, but, but I think we need to understand that Jesus was born into chaos. It wasn't peaceful. The world was out to get him, quite honestly. I mean, his death, his birth and his death, both had, had one thing in common. They, they cost innocent lives. His birth cost the life of, of young children who were a perceived threat to a king who had gone mad. And ultimately, as he grew older, his, his death, his innocent death on the cross, because he was a threat or perceived threat to a bunch of Pharisees that had gone mad. The, the world doesn't understand Jesus. If there's one thing that, that I've, I've gained through my very short life is that when you try to talk about Jesus, people get it confused. They, they see all these rules and all these things you have to do. And, and, and honestly, they talk about us. You know, you Christians. I had someone tell me the other day, and I think I'm just kind of used to it, like, ah, you're a hypocrite. I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> like, I'm not perfect. Like, I, I hope that's clear that I'm not. And like, well, that's why I don't, it's not that I don't love Jesus, but I, I, listen, I, and I said quite honestly to them, I was like, I don't think you do. I, I don't think you love Jesus because I don't think you really understand what he came for. I think you're confused. I, I think you look at me and you think that the way that I live and the way that I act and that for some reason I have this like bearing on your life. I was like, I don't. I'm, I'm a person like you. I'm, I'm human. I'm flawed. But, but when you understand the reason Jesus came, the fact that, that he came into chaos, and he brought hope. The fact that his birth dawned a light that would never go out. The fact that his birth guaranteed a future king who would reign in peace and reign on high and no world can overcome him. Uh, the fact that, that he was born into chaos in order to fix the chaos you get that? He didn't come here to reign in an earthly kingdom. That wasn't his plan. Instead, he came to make sure that the kingdom of God was available to all who would follow him. He opened the door. He set right what had been set wrong so many years prior to him. He came in the most unexpected way and did the most unexpected thing because that's who he is. I love Christmas. It's a wonderful time of year. I love Jesus. I love the baby Jesus. I love the adult Jesus. I love the teenage Jesus. But, but understand that the reason that he came the way that he did in such a humble fashion, in such an unexpected way, is because he loved you so much 
that he realized that he was the only way for you to one day give back to God. I think if people in this world understood that, they'd probably give them a greater opportunity and a chance to change their life. If people really understood the reason for Jesus, they could see past some of the the failings of the human people that are part of the church. I think if we really understood the purpose of Jesus, that would change the way that you and I live, what we do, what we focus on, how we spend our time. Christmas is all about him. It's all about what he did. I love it. When the shepherds heard of the great, glorious Savior, as they left that night, they went out and they told the world, any who were willing to listen. Here's my challenge to you. I understand Christmas can be weird. I understand some of the things of this holiday are odd. I understand that there's traditions and things like that we all get caught up on and some people practice and some people don't. And listen, I, I'm, whatever you decide, that's, that's your family. That's how you do things. And, and what I hear a lot is, you know, there's almost like this negative side of, you know, we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do that. And, and I think we get caught in this weird little loop. So, so here's my challenge to you is, and, and listen, I, I know the world that we live in, but instead of being so outspoken about what we don't like about the holiday, let's take every opportunity we have to talk about the reason we do. Let's make Jesus part of every conversation. Let's make his birth part of every conversation. Let's take every opportunity. Listen, if someone says happy holiday to you, it's not the end of the world. Love them and tell them about Jesus. Don't be so worried about what you think they're doing wrong. Let's focus on what was done right. It's always been about Jesus. And it will always be about him. Tell the world at every opportunity you get about the birth of your Savior. That's what they need to hear. That's what this world is desperate for. God showed up in the most unexpected way and did the most unexpected thing. That's why we're here. Let's pray. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. Hey, if you want to learn more about our church, check us out at refocuschurch.com or look us up on Facebook at Refocus Christian Church. We're located in Fallonby, West Virginia. Uh, we'd love to have you and your family out. Come check out and see what God is doing in our people, in our community, in our church. All right. Later.